Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. So good morning, everyone. And, and welcome to our Thanksgiving service. Uh, it's good to see you here in person. And if you're watching online, I also want to welcome you. For those that might be new to us, my name is Leighton, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Ebenezer. And I'm thankful for a lot of things today. And one of the things I'm thankful for is the group behind me. Um, I don't know if you, yeah, we should just thank them. And not just them, every worship team. Because uh, I don't know if you realize this, but they, they arrive here at about 7 in the morning or 7.30, all our sound guys, all our tech people, all the worship people, and they're right here through until about 1, 1 p.m. Um, my wife stepped in to volunteer to help out with the, the media, and she said, that's no joke to be there that long. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, welcome to being you know, in ministry here. So I just want to say thank you for those that, that serve so faithfully there. Um, this morning, I, I want to begin my part by reading a passage of Scripture found in, in, in uh, Psalm chapter 66. And this is what it says. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of His name. Tell the world how glorious He is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. And then if we just jump down a few verses in that psalm, it says, Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what He did for me. This morning, we're going to put those words into practice. And I've actually asked uh, three couples from our church family to share their amazing stories of what God has done for them. And I know that you're going to be blessed as you hear these stories because these services are always uh, you know, the highlight of our year. But before uh, the three couples come on stage, I want just to take a, a few minutes or to, to just uh, speak about uh, what it means to be thankful and give some thoughts around that. Now, um, as, as I, th- I think we all know, we are, we are so very fortunate to live in this blessed country. And for the most part, it, it's easy for us to be thankful because God's blessings are many and they're obvious. However, there are also times that we go through challenging and painful seasons in our life where life doesn't feel so wonderful. And if, you're, if you've ever gone through one of those seasons or you're going through one right now, then being truly thankful today or any day might actually be more of a challenge than you think. So today on this Thanksgiving Sunday, as people across Canada just pause to, to give thanks, I want to, uh, as a church family, answer two, I think, really critical questions for us as we consider Thanksgiving. And the first question is, how can we, be tr- how can we give, uh, truly give thanks today regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in? And the second is, why is it important for God's people to have a regular rhythm of Thanksgiving in our lives? Okay, so here's the first question. How can we be genuinely thankful no matter what life circumstances we find ourselves in? Thanksgiving is, uh, is one of the major themes of Scripture. There are almost uh, 100 verses in both the Old and New Testament that command us to either give thanks or to be thankful or to come into His presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. So obviously, uh, thanksgiving is, is important to God 
and it's important for, for God's people. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, David in 1 Chronicles says this, Give thanks to the Lord and call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalm 105 says this, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And just one last verse of thanksgiving of the many that are in the scripture. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And by the way, that's, that's a phrase that appears many, many times in the scriptures. Now, the key in giving thanks in whatever circumstances you find yourself in today or in the future is actually found in the verses I just read to you. And so let me just go back and just highlight a couple of, of pieces of those, of those verses. Psalm 105, proclaim his greatness. Psalm 95, he's the rock of our salvation, for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Psalm 100, for the Lord is good, and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then Psalm 106, he is good. His love endures forever. You see, uh, we can be truly thankful this morning or any day if we focus on his greatness and his unchanging uh, character. He really is the rock of our salvation. Uh, he is the great king. He is good. He is faithful. And his faithfulness continues not just in this moment, but through all generations. And he's love. His faithful love endures forever. And this is just a, a tiny, tiny sampling of the greatness of our God. And any and every time our focus turns to God, we will find something to be thankful for, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so, so even today, as we enter into Thanksgiving, our tendency is to focus on the things that, that are around us that we appreciate, like our family and some of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But to be truly thankful, our focus needs to be on God and His character. So take a moment today, at some point, just to think about who God is and thank Him for that. Okay, second question. Why is it important for God's people to give thanks? Well, there are, are many reasons for us to be thankful. And I want to give you just five reasons or blessings this morning that will, that will help us, uh, that tell us why we need to be thankful. So here's the first one. By the way, this is going to be one of the shortest sermons you've ever heard from me, so, so take it in and be thankful, okay? <laughs> But as I'm discovering, we can say lots in, the, in a short time as well. So here we go. 
Um, giving thanks glorifies God. Now, one of, one of our life goals is to glorify God. In, in fact, in the, the, the New Westminster Chasm, it's, it's uh, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and to love Him forever. And so when we glorify God, we bring glory to His name. And so every time we give thanks, we are acknowledging that, that everything we have comes from Him. And we bring, we bring glory to God by exalting His name and declaring His greatness and character to ourselves, to our family, and to the world around us. And that brings glory to His name. Second, giving thanks helps us see God. Our, did you realize that our, our spiritual eyes are opened when we uh, pause to give thanks? Whenever we pause to, give, to think about God's goodness and consider His involvement in, in, our, in our lives, we actually see His character. So, and by that I mean we, we recognize His presence in our lives. We see His love, and we see His mercy, and we see His grace in our lives. We experience His, His personal care over us, and we also can see His perfect timing in life. And so, so giving thanks to God by pausing to do that actually helps us to see Him better and to, and to know Him better. Giving thanks, number three, draws us to God. In Luke 17, we read of a time that Jesus miraculously healed ten men with leprosy. They were standing outside a village that He was entering, and they were crying out to Him, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And in the story, it says that Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priests, and, and while they were on their way to the priest, they looked down and they saw that their, their skin had been healed. Now, do you remember how many, how many of those men came back to thank God? Just one. Just one person. And God commended him for that, and, and this, that person received a further blessing from, from Jesus. And so, um, when we slow down and pause and reflect on what God has done and actually go back and thank Him, it draws us to the giver of the gift and not just to the gift itself. And that's incredibly important for us. Fourth, giving thanks deepens our faith. Does anybody keep a prayer journal at all? So a few people do. Uh, I, I just started keeping a prayer journal, one for myself and one for the church. Where I, just so we can look back over and see, you know, how God has answered prayers. Because sometimes we forget all the prayers that God answers in our life. And keeping a record of God's uh, past faithfulness, it grows our faith, and it helps us to remain steadfast in our faith when we face difficulties in our life. Now, maybe this is why God, uh, time and time again, reminded or told His people to remember His great deeds. And they actually would set up memorials so that they could go back and say, this was the time that God met us, or this was the time, because that helped them strengthen their faith. It helped them to continue to trust Him in the challenges they were facing in life, and it enabled them to continue to walk in His ways and not abandon Him. And so when we take time to give thanks, it actually, it actually deepens our faith in God. And then finally... Giving thanks grows and deepens our faith community. When we take time to hear the stories of God's faithfulness, just like we're going to do in a, in a minute here, um, it, it deepens our faith community as well. We, 
we actually uh, need to learn from others and to see their lives. We can't experience all of God's goodness ourselves. We need to see, uh, we, when we take time to listen to people's stories, we, we relate to them. We see ourselves in those stories, and it gives us encouragement and faith. And so our, our prayer this morning is that in the stories that you're going to hear, that God's going to use them to, to speak to you in ways that, that a sermon never could. We encourage others uh, when we tell the stories of God's faithfulness. And God uses the whole family to show us these things. And we need to know that the God's at work amongst us. Because sometimes in our own little world, we don't see God working the way we want Him to. We wonder, God, are you listening to me? God, do you hear me? God, why haven't you answered? You know, and when people come up and share their stories, we get to see, okay, God is at work. He does love us. He does care for us. And uh, we need to, to see how God meets uh, us in, in all the circumstances of our lives and remind each other of the greatness and goodness of our God. One last passage of Scripture. Psalm 107, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Again, the first part is, is a, a familiar phrase that you're going to see appear many times in the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. My part is over. I'm going to invite Stan and Janet, if they would just join me on stage. So this is Stan Masich and Janet Harms Masich. And uh, Stan and Janet have recently decided to make Ebenezer their church home, and they've jumped in with both feet. Uh, every week at staff meeting, we take a moment to assess the past week's ministries. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of our staff commented on our, our Coffee Connection kickoff. You remember the time when we had the free cinnamon buns, which is coming, coming back next week, just in case you're hungry. <clears throat> and um, one, of the, uh, one of our staff members said, uh, like, it was great. There was this guy who had Stan on his name tag. I've never seen him before, but he was welcoming people and inviting them into the chapel. It was just fantastic. That's the stand right here. So if you saw them. So they're going to come and, and share their story with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to share our story with you this morning. When people see our lives uh, from the outside, they often think that Stan and I are living the dream we both had good jobs that we had the opportunity to retire early from. We have four wonderful kids who are living for the Lord and a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law who love our children very well, and we're grateful for that. We live in a nice home and we have enough toys so that life is easy for us. But that is only the surface. On the inside, we are two people who have gone through many trials and losses, and we have had to cling to the goodness of God and His sovereignty in our lives. I was raised in a Christian home, and I had what I call the trifecta of Christianity. I was a pastor's kid, a missionary kid, and became a pastor's wife. So, um, 
I attended Nippon Bible College for three years, where I got to know my soon-to-be husband, Dwayne Harms. We married in 1989, and we had two amazing kids, and we enjoyed nearly 16 years of marriage. My story begins very differently from Janet's. I was born in a dysfunctional home. I was the fifth child and the firstborn after a string of girls. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom had severe multiple sclerosis and was placed in an institution before I was in kindergarten. My dad became incarcerated, which resulted in me being placed into foster care for a time. He eventually was released, but was incarcerated, incapable of being a good father. After he was incarcerated for a second time, my 60-year-old grandmother and my never-married uncle took me on and raised me. The day before my 11th birthday, my dad took his life. After high school, I moved to northern BC. There, I got involved in drugs and alcohol. I also began dating Doris. Doris came from a Christian home, but she was not following the Lord. Together, we moved to Saskatchewan. After living together for several years, Doris received a letter of discipline from her church home in BC. Her conscience began to bother her. It was the Holy Spirit nudging her to come back to him. We looked through the phone book and found the nearest Baptist church. It was Fairhaven Baptist, now called Life Baptist, which is the sister church to Ebenezer here. I stubbed out my joint, I walked through the doors, and there I was met with love and acceptance and friendship. After Doris and I got engaged, we began premarital counseling with the pastor. It was there that I heard for the very first time that God loved me, Stan Massage, enough to die on the cross for my sins. I also learned that salvation was a free gift and that God wanted me to have a relationship with him. That day I confessed my sins, received real forgiveness, and became part of the family of God. I began to learn about what it meant to yield to the sovereignty of God. There were lots of bad habits to give up. Addictions had a grip on me. But God was good, and together with him, I was able to turn my life around. Doris and I got married, and eventually we were blessed with two children. We enjoyed nearly 20 years of marriage. In the late spring of 2005, while pastoring a church here in Saskatoon, Duane began experiencing chest pain. It was only at night, but it lingered. 
Initial tests showed nothing concrete, but the pain continued. And so tests were repeated. This time they found metastatic spots on his lungs and his liver with a primary mass near his kidney. We were shocked and heartbroken. While still pursuing medical help, we also began praying fervently for healing. We knew that God could heal Duane, and we hoped and believed that he would. I was really struggling with anxiety during this time, and I remember one evening, uh, Duane and I were talking, and um, he said to me, Janet, the goodness of God will not be altered regardless of my diagnosis. One day I ran into an acquaintance while I was out on errands. She knew that we were praying and that we were believing for healing. And she said to me, what are you going to tell your children if Duane isn't healed? And I said to her, I will tell my children that God is still good. Truth be told, though, I was in a battle with the Lord. I did not want to give my husband to him. I knew that I needed to trust in the sovereignty of God. And it was during that time that I heard about the SOS prayer. The SOS stands for Submission, Obedience, and Surrender. Those words became a lifeline to me as I watched my husband's rapid decline. On August the 13th, we were given our actual diagnosis, which was adrenal cortical carcinoma, a rare cancer that hits about 1 in 1.7 million people. And on three days later, on August the 16th, and less than two months after finding out that he had cancer, Duane heard the Lord call his name, and I am so confident that he ran joyfully into the arms of God. I was left a widow with two young children, ages 12 and 9, and I did tell my children that God is good. There was a snowstorm on March 1st. 2006. I went to work as usual, and at noon, I called home to chat with Doris. She was a stay-at-home mom with our children, ages four and two. Mackenzie was four and answered the phone. We talked a bit, and then I asked to speak to Doris. <clears throat> Mommy's sleeping on the floor she said. It quickly came apparent that something was desperately wrong. I dispatched emergency services and raced home through the snow with an ambulance on my heels. I arrived to find my home filled with first responders and was told by the police that Doris had passed away. It was there, if there ever was a time, 
that I could have fallen back on old habits. It was then. Instead, I asked for my church directory. There was no hesitation in my relationship with God. The next Sunday, I was back in church. This was not a time, and now I was a time, and now I was a family of three. God, in his goodness, provided for me support and love and practical care through the church community. I heard about Stan the week of Doris's funeral. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I began to pray regularly for him. Months of prayer eventually led to a phone call, which led to multiple phone calls. And 16 years ago, on Thanksgiving weekend, we met for the first time. We married in March of the following year and became a family of six. And so, they lived happily ever after, right? No. Actually, combining two families is very hard. And combining two families who are all struggling through grief is much harder. Romans 12 verse 1 says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Our lives have been a constant practice of submission to God, along with gratitude for his goodness in our lives. Stan and I are blessed to also have been given so many opportunities for ministry. We love volunteering, whether it be separately or together, whether it be through our local church or through another organization. And recently, one of the great joys of our life have been two Ukrainian girls, Kate and Maria, who um, came and quickly worked their way into our hearts. We were privileged to host them, and it has been so fun and exciting. Since then, two more Ukrainians, Maria's mother and little sister, have arrived, and we have also assisted them. And tomorrow, Kate's brother, Val, is going to be arriving from Ukraine. And then in about a week and a half from now, I have another mom and daughter who are going to be arriving that we will be hosting, and we will be helping them to acclimate and find jobs and housing, etc. And wow, if you have any questions about that incredibly fascinating ministry, either Stan or I would be so delighted to talk to you about it. Also, if you have a spare bedroom in your home, you too could become involved. God has added so many wonderful people to our little family. Truly, I say to you, if you are feeling empty 
or discouraged. Reach beyond yourself. Step out in faith. Learn ways to find joy in ministry. It will bless you beyond what you can imagine. This weekend, as we do every year, Stan and I went for a walk in the fall leaves and talked about God's blessings in our lives because God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Thank you very much. Murray and Jane Glenn, if you could join me on stage right now. Uh, Murray and Jane are not strangers to our Ebenezer family. Uh, they have been fully engaged with us over the last 20 years. And many of you have heard their amazing story of how God restored their marriage. Uh, but today they're going to be sharing about a new challenge they're facing and how they have sensed God's presence through that journey. Wow, that was a, a wonderful story and a wonderful reminder. And I can't believe how many times already I'm hearing the same words to describe God that uh, have already been used. Um, when I think of God's faithfulness, I come to realize that the more or the older you are, the more examples you have. So as you can probably tell, we have many. And as Leighton already said, I think he stole a bit of mine, uh, God always told his chosen people, the Israelites, to look back and remember what God has done. I think it's a hard thing to do because when we're in the middle of a new circumstance, we get very focused on that and we forget that we need to remember and trace what he's done in our lives. Looking back affirms, reaffirms that he has indeed acted and strengthens our faith, our faith for the next challenge. I'm going to share very briefly two examples of God's undeniable faithfulness to us, and then Marie will share our current situation. Marie and I were married in 1970, divorced in 1999, and remarried in 2004. We don't have time to tell you that whole story, but you can assume that it's quite a story. We can look back on that now and we can pinpoint exactly where God was still at work even though we didn't always recognize it and we praise him daily for his reconciling power. The other area that was a, a trial for us was in the area of finances. Uh, we had an investment and several investments and they they were, most of our retirement was lost because of an unscrupulous person, persons. Some of you may have experienced that as well. But now again, we look back and we just see the many ways that God has provided for us. And we're even able to rejoice in this circumstance. Now, I'll turn it to Marie. One of my favorite, most favorite hymns, Greatest Thy Faithfulness. 
He goes, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me and to her and to you. Over a decade ago, I was diagnosed with macular degeneration as the eyes going shut. The left eye deteriorated rather rapidly. And uh, I have to admit that I was very fearful, filled with a lot of anxiety. I asked Pastor Layton and some of the elders to pray, pray with me, and they did so. Today, my left eye is uh, ten times beyond the absolute minimal requirement for operating a motor vehicle. I don't see well from that eye. Monthly, I've been receiving injections to my eyes, and this has been going on for, or for several years, and it has served to stave off the swelling that has caused my uh, vision problems. With that treatment, I've been able to sustain uh, almost perfect vision in my right eye, uh, using corrective lenses, of course. Two months ago, um, we were camping a family reunion in Meadow Lake Provincial Park, together with our family, first time in 11 years. I woke at 3 o'clock in the morning to find that I was totally blind in my right eye. My son took me to emergency in Meadow Lake, where the doctor examined me. I was unable to find anything, suggested it might be a, uh, an abrasion on the cornea. But he strongly urged that I seek a further diagnosis from the optometrist in town. And so I did that, and it was with their specialized equipment, they were able to determine that there was no abrasion, but rather a full-fledged infection in my right eye. That was my good eye. My son drove me to Saskatoon, where Dr. Colo drained uh, or took a sample from the vitreous and then injected my eye with an antibiotic and put me on an antibiotic eye drop to be used every two hours for the next two to three weeks. He explained to me that this was a very, very serious situation. It was one of the last things they liked to see was an infection in the eye because often that led to permanent loss of vision. Slowly, vision did start to come back where I couldn't see anybody waving her hand in front of me with my right eye, I became able to see blobs, uh, formations, but with no definition to it whatsoever. So if during the last number of weeks uh, you've waved to me or nodded and smiled and I haven't reciprocated, that's because you were a blob. 
I then went to a, a, another appointment with my doctor after that uh, antibiotic treatment, and he was sitting there and swung his monitor towards me for me to look, and he said, look at this. This is amazing. I, I, I can't believe this. He said, the swelling in your right eye is gone. That's what we've been treating you for for the last number of years. I have no explanation for it, none whatsoever, but I certainly want to see you again in another week. We're going to take more pictures to see if this is really true. A week later, another examination, and wouldn't you know it, the swelling was still gone. Praise God. I asked him, how long is this going to take for my vision to clear? I can actually see something more than just blobs. And he said, well, it's going to take probably two weeks or up to six to eight months. And if it hasn't cleared within six to eight months, then I'm afraid you're likely going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. Two months are up now. My vision is getting better. And I have to admit that you blobs are looking much, much better. <laughs> As Jane has expressed, we've had ample opportunities to see God's faithfulness in our lives. It would take us hours and hours to recount how faithful God has been to us. He's met our needs, not always our wants. And that is one of the things I have been reminded of. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content and I'm not suggesting that I'm an Apostle Paul or anything like him, but it was not something that happened, it was something that he learned. And that is my goal, to learn to be content with whatever God has planned for my eyes. So you might ask, uh, have we learned anything from this? Absolutely. Patience. For me, the frustration of having my entire routine turned upside down, as it were. My wife has learned patience. She has chauffeured me to all my appointments and around town, wherever I've needed to go, uncomplaining, even though the blind guy next to her is telling her how to drive. True statement. <laughs> We have been blessed. They say there's a silver lining behind every cloud, and that has certainly been the case for me. I have not been able to watch the Rough Riders play football. He hasn't lost his sense of humor. Uh, actually, his faith and his attitude has really helped me an awful lot. Yeah, it was, it was devastating and, and very scary when Murray lost the sight in that right eye so suddenly. 
But knowing who God is and has been for us allowed us to trust him in this. And that doesn't mean we aren't hoping, praying, crying out to God, even sometimes despairing. As I was walking and praying, I caught myself saying, I know this is too much to ask, but... And the Lord stopped me right there and said, have you forgotten who you're talking to? We are speaking to a God who is sovereign and who is good. Although many ask, if he is good, how can the world be in this state? And if he's sovereign, why doesn't he do something about it? But as we look back, we can see his hand. And when we are in the midst of something new, those are the very attributes that allow us to carry on and our faith to grow. No wonder our favorite song is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I'm not finished yet, Pastor. You step back. <laughs> I'm very thankful for a pastoral team that leads us each and every Sunday with God's truth, sincere hearts. They're being vulnerable in front of us, transparent, and encouraging each and every one of us to follow God in a very, very intimate way that I'm very thankful for. I'm also thankful for the opportunity that God has given me with my right eye to see the many things I have seen up to this point, and I'm looking forward to his hand and allowing me to see much more in the future. I'm thankful to our congregation, our members, our fellow brothers and sisters who have encouraged me and inspired me. And I've looked around and seen some of you in far worse dilemma than I am in, and yet praising God for who he is. I believe we need to live each and every day with thankful hearts, with great gratitude. And I'm going to suggest to you that if, if you can't think of something to be thankful for, you're just not looking hard enough. God bless you. Okay, thank you very much. That, that was just fantastic. Uh, Fred and, and Tanea Enns, you want to join me on stage? Uh, the last couple, many of the, uh, is known to many of the younger crowd. Fred and Tanea have been very involved in the CNC ministries here at the church, most recently walking alongside a group of young men and women in a discipling process. Tanea is also one of our worship leaders, and so you might recognize her from being on stage. And, and Fred is kind of a wallflower, so you might not know him very... Uh, uh, it, no, if you laugh, you know him, because he's one of the most outgoing, friendly people I know. And if he doesn't know you yet, he will. Uh, I, I guarantee that. And they're, they're just going to come and share uh, their journey here. Hi there. My name is Fred, and I'm incredibly sleep-deprived. <laughs> I am here after two night shifts, so just bear with us. It'll be fine, I think. I aim to be a grounding presence. So how do you thank God? 
when he isn't giving you what you want, how you want it, or when you want it. Today we're sharing about our journey with God on the road of infertility and pregnancy loss. And I mean, I carry a pretty big spoiler about the end of the story, but you know, <laughs> bear with us. <laughs> Before we begin, I want to address those who are listening today who hear what I just said and your heart drops into your stomach. I've been there. <laughs> For the baby dedications and the, the people who share about, you know, this journey, if you've walked this road or are you, you are walking this road, it's hard. And so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that if you are in that boat today, you are seen, you are loved, and God is so, so, so faithful. What we're about to share comes out of years of processing with the Lord and with other people. And we want you to remember that your grief is important and that our prayer was that, is that each of you would feel comforted and encouraged by Jesus as you hear what he has done for us today. My journey began nine years ago when I was in a very healthy, unhealthy, sorry, that was, yeah, unhealthy relationship. Very shortly after a messy breakup, I found out I was pregnant as I was miscarrying. Through that process, I also found out that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Recovering from that was a very long story, which I will save for another time. I met Fred three years later and watched God redeem my story as we dated, were engaged, and got married, which is also a story for another time. Just before our first anniversary, we both felt that God was calling us to begin growing our family. I was really afraid that we would suffer more loss, but stepped out in faith because God had redeemed so many pieces of the story already. Obviously, his plan must be to give us a child in fairly short order. Months passed. No child. Eventually, we went to see our doctor, and I was referred to a specialist who confirmed the PCOS diagnosis and started me on fertility medications. We finally got our positive pregnancy test on April 1st, 2021. Fred thought it was an April Fool's joke. I assured him it was not. And we were over the moon. Uh, at 10 weeks, Tanea went to her first ultrasound and due to COVID went alone. I sat at home in a chair that we still own and I waited for many more minutes than I was expecting. And I got a phone call uh, from my wife that um, she was panicking and crying on the other end, so obviously not a great sign. And uh, they had told her that the baby was dead and had been dead for some time already. Um, a, a few days later, Tanea courageously brought our small Abigail into the world. Uh, Abigail means my father is joyful. Uh, and so we celebrated our little one. Um, and I was very joyful that I was a dad. Uh, but we were pretty shattered as well. The grief far outweighed um, the joy at this point. We restarted our fertility treatments and in November found out that we were pregnant again. 
This time, a lot more fear followed, and we struggled hard to have faith that this baby would make it. Nonetheless, we tried to maintain faith, and we praised God for a second chance at having a baby. And then a week later, I started bleeding, and we lost little hope. We were so tired of it all. Uh, it was a crucial time, though, for our relationship uh, with each other and with God. We leaned hard into professional counseling, uh, family and friends, and our faith to get us through. We struggled with feeling far from God, though, even as we felt his call to keep going with the journey of trying to have children. And so we buckled up and started fertility treatments again. We also decided to ask the church leaders to pray for us to conceive, based on James 5, verses 14 to 15. And on December 12, uh, 2021, the leadership of this church gathered around us and prayed for healing, conception, and the birth of a living child. And then I came to the Break Free Weekend earlier this year. And a group of very um, earnest women offered to pray for me and speak the word of God over me. I was quite cynical and quite fearful and thought, not again, but agreed. As they prayed, I experienced God meeting me in such a close way. He met me in all of the grief, the anger, and the fear, and he reminded me of who he was. And at the end of that time, one of the women said that she felt God tell her that I would have a baby by Christmas. I remember this day well because I was at work receiving texts from Tanea about these passionate ladies praying for her, and I... Uh, <laughs> Um, and uh, saying all manner of encouraging things to her. Uh, secret, uh, secretly, previously, I felt a really deep desire to protect Tanea's heart at all costs, including protecting her from things that people said that they couldn't necessarily guarantee, like, you'll have a baby by Christmas. However, <laughs> this time was a little bit different. It felt different, and I, I don't know why. I guess it was the Lord. Um, I had experienced a lot, a lot of fear and cynicism up until this point. Um, and so, but instead of telling Tanea, oh, you know, don't get your hopes up, I told her that our best course of action was likely just to give it right back to the Lord, that we didn't need to, we couldn't make a child any more than we could make the sunrise. And so we decided to trust in the Lord at that point um, and just give it back to him. So. Um, we decided to trust him with the process, and with prayer and thanksgiving, we uh, continued our uh, desire to have kids. And then, on April 8th, 2022, um, I took a pregnancy test and left it in the bathroom. And Fred came running out, and he's like, oh my gosh, you need to come here. Um, and it was positive, again. And as you can see, this little bean is due to arrive a week before Christmas, almost exactly one year to the day since the church leadership prayed for us. I would like to say that I firmly hung on to Jesus in faith and thanksgiving through the journey. I haven't. I have felt angry, fearful, abandoned, and cynical a lot of the time. When he called us to start a family, I thought it would look one way. He had something much different, much longer in mind. 
As a result, I felt betrayed by him, but he never let go. He never stopped answering when I cried out to him. He didn't provide the answers that I wanted, but he always answered with himself and with his presence. Slowly, I began to realize my deep need to love him and to trust him, not because of what he could give me or what I wanted him to give, but simply because of who he is. When Leighton asked us to share this morning, I started wondering what this journey had taught me about thanking God in the mess. And in the last couple of years, I've experienced the comfort that comes when we look for the gifts that God has given and thank him even when they aren't the gifts I want. It reminds me of an article I once read about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They just wanted to reach the promised land already, and God made them keep wandering. But what he did do is he provided manna in the desert, he protected them, and he kept their clothes and their shoes from wearing out. He kept answering the prayers that they weren't praying, giving gifts they weren't asking for, and he's done that for me too. When I accused him of not showing up, of letting me keep wandering, he has kept on giving gifts that I didn't ask for. He's continued to show up even when I didn't see him, and sometimes even refused to see him. For me, the biggest gift I didn't ask for was a complete uh, deconstruction of what I thought I knew about myself. Um, some of you have heard my story, my past. I won't share it now, uh, but if you're interested, you can come talk to me. But um, there's a lot of uh, difficulty with that story. And it was when I was incredibly raw and broken by all of that had gone on and I was seeking professional counseling that God was able to bring significant healing um, and some of you know those stories, and they are deep and very difficult things that I have been able to heal from. And so I thank God so much for that gift that I didn't ask for, didn't really want in the first place. Um, and so I also just want to say that there's many people in this church that have been such wonderful partners in this journey, who have walked with us in so many incredible ways and who fed us when we were so sad and all we wanted was KFC. They fed us healthy food. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, KFC became our sad food, but anyways. <laughs> um, so, I'll, I'll leave it there, but I'll let Tanea close us out here. So now, as we walk through the journey of pregnancy after loss, we are simultaneously filled with anticipation and joy and gratitude and fear and anxiety and grief and... Uh, we're learning to thank and praise God in a whole new way. We have a whole new appreciation of the life that is growing inside of me. And for me, with every poke and jab and wiggle and hip pain and morning sickness, I, it draws me to worship. Because I know it's not a given anymore. It's a gift. And even these days when I cry myself to sleep, being afraid that this is the last day that I get to have this little one, he's giving me an ability to praise him for being himself. And I'm able to place my life 
and the life of this little one in his hands. Every night before bed, we've made a practice of thanking God for one more day. with this child that he has given. This year we are learning Thanksgiving in a very deep way that we haven't before. Life is full of his gifts and we can praise him and thank him for what he has done even when it's not what we ask for, how we asked for it, or when we asked for it. Thank you. Okay, I realize we've already squeaked a bit over time, but it's been worth every second. It's, it's been fantastic. So one last story. Pierce, you want to come up here? So this is Pierce Whalen, and uh, we're going to close off our service today by celebrating the baptism of one of our youth. And um, so his parents and grandparents, the one set, attend here, but his other grandparents and aunts and uncles are, are here, grandparent from, uh, grandparents from Ontario, they're here this weekend, so we want to celebrate that. So. Pierce is going to come and share his story with us. Then I'm going to just invite the worship team to come up, and they're going to close off our service with a song. And then the finale of the service is going to be the baptism. Okay, sound good? Okay, Pierce, come on. Hey there. My name is Pierce Whalen, and today I'm choosing to get baptized. To begin my story, I was born in, in a Christian family that loved and honored God. In the beginning of my life, I adopted this into my faith, and I knew from the get-go that I had no other God for all my life except the one true God. I was raised to love, love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I have had friends and family help me with my family, from my mom, who taught me lots about the Lord, and my dad, who helped me stay strong and firm in my faith. Ever since I was born, I had been able to call Ebenezer my community, or as I like to say it, I'm an Ebenezer woomer. <laughs> I really like being part of Ebenezer. Playing games and learning new Bible verses was what I loved about Rush. Now I'm serving in Rush and help leading kids in, wait, help leading the kids learning about God. My friends and mentors have helped me strive to know the Bible deeper. Luke and Jake Fair, Luke and Jake Fair have been big mentors. From sword drills in Sunday school to life groups and leaders in youth. I am thankful for the role they have played in my life. I accepted God when I was at the good old age of seven. I was the old I was at Camp Oshkody and I was walking back from kids' church. My mom and I were talking about what I learned about accepting God. I needed to confess my sin to God, accept him as my savior, and I would be adopted by him. We prayed together and accepted Christ. He has saved me and I belong to him. Sometimes I worry that my friends might think it's not cool to believe in God. This is the reason I'm so, I'm so thankful for youth group. I'm surrounded with good friends from my faith. 
I am learning what it means to be in relationship in God. I am learning who I am in God. But God is my creator, my father, my protector, my savior, my king. Trusting and believing in God is amazing. I can confidently say that God is always changing me for the better. I try to live my life the way Jesus lived his, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. John 3.16 is my favorite verse, as it says this, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Today I am choosing to get baptized because it's the next step in my faith. Will has told us that faith is personal, but never private. So I am here to tell you all in this community that my faith is real, and I want to follow God for the rest of my life. I believe in God and that I am saved by His grace. Thank you for listening. Okay, I think we're ready to go now, so thank you again. Uh, great service today. I, I hope that you enjoyed this. And uh, we want to have the stories of God's people on a regular basis. And if you have a story that you want to share, uh, we'd love to record that and play that. We'd love to have a story every single Sunday uh, as we just uh, give praise to God and grow in our community of faith. Pierce, great, great story, great testimony, loved it. Uh, according to your testimony, you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes. And this is your own personal decision today to be baptized. Yes. Then it gives me great joy that uh, with Jesus Christ as the head of the church and the command he given us to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I should also mention that the person beside him is Grandpa John, and John is a pastor, uh, and so he's here visiting from Ontario, so he wanted him to be in the water with us. Uh, listen, we've gone over time, so let me give you the benediction from the tank here. And, and I just, so let's just bow in, in prayer. So Father, um, you are so good, and your goodness uh, just endures for, for all generations, and we've witnessed that today. And so as we go from here, May you help us to focus on you, that our hearts would be full of thanksgiving for who you are and all that you've done for us. And may we go in your power and in your presence and in joy and thanksgiving today. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, thanks for being with us. Have yourself a great long weekend. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.